Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? I'm doing great, and we are uh, joined by one of our favorite guests on the podcast, JML. He's back to discuss uh, the Merge uh, Plus One episodes and uh, everything that's going on now. We talked with him last time at the premiere and got his initial reactions, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he thinks now that we've had half a season play out. So uh, welcome back to the podcast, Justin. Thank you. I just I hope I'm a favorite above a bunch of survivors. <laughs> well, well, we won't get into a ranking list on this Damn podcast, it. but... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what Internet Survivor fans do? They rank things pointlessly? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, maybe we will, at the end of the season, you know, rank our favorite guests and just, uh, you know, needlessly uh, make me everyone mad. Maybe will blame it on the power idol. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what was that, Jeff? I was just going to say, Justin brings up something we need to clarify Immediately. Spencer does not have the power idol, correct? Why do we need to clarify that? He said it in the episode. He said this is not the... Uh, this is, he said this is a normal idol. He right, said it on screen. idols come with an entire page of instructions. Right, and he read it and then said this is a normal idol. Right, but I've never seen a normal idol come with an entire page of instructions. They all come with like a sheet of paper. Usually it's just a note that's like, hey, here's an idol. Right, but it said that it can only be played before the votes are read or something, and that's why he said this is a normal idol. It just happened so fast yeah. that I was having trouble following it. But yeah, It was a pretty long note. It was almost a sequilily, you know. <laughs> a se- a shakwakawi. Thanks, Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking all about uh, both this most recent episode as well as the merge. So why don't we go back uh, to the merge. And before even that, uh, what do you think of how this season has progressed from the uh, premiere episode, Justin? Narratively or strategically? Uh, We'll go with narratively and then we'll move on to strategically. I think narratively it's very interesting. And, you know, I'll save a little bit about this for later. But the main thing I'll say narratively is... On one hand, it seems really obvious what the final three is going to be. Like, there have been some really strong visual hints. But on the other hand, there are three separate contenders, and I could see any of them winning. So I think it's very intriguing in that way, in that actually I have a favorite, but I don't have one that I'm I'm so sure about, and I, I'm not ready to eliminate the other two either. So I think it's, narr- uh, it's edited very compellingly that way, because at this point, even though there's a, a disparity in the numbers, I could see either alliance getting to the end narratively. Who are your three winners? Uh, my three possible winners are Spencer, Tony, and LJ. Oh, wow. I disagree, but we can get into that later. Well, um, every season uh, you try to find the theme of the season. Uh, do you have any guesses as to what the theme of this season is, Justin? Well, early on I talked about how it seemed to be placing a heavy importance on brains, and I would expand that a little mm-hmm. bit to just not being a stereotype of your tribe. And what I mean by that is, Spencer, they made a big deal out of around the time that the switch happened, 
and they kept him because they wanted to win challenges. They made a big deal out of him being really good in challenges as well, so he wasn't just one-dimensional. And then LJ, they've really made a big deal out of him being, you know, the brains of the beauty tribe. And then Tony, they made a big deal about his brains as well, and they showed him being strategic-minded. So I feel like the players they've shown as superior have contradicted, or let's say contradicted, I'll say rose above their tribe name, their tribe label. Gotcha. Whereas, like, Morgan in this past episode, she, I mean, she devolved into Heidi Strobel, so she became her (laughs) one-dimensional tribe name. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm sure, you know, with those three, a close right next to him, number four, is Cass, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll call Cass a number two, but not a number two winner pick. <laughs> Look, if, if I can just get on my soapbox a little bit, I don't want to come across as like a, as a hater or anything because I feel like I have valid criticisms of Cass, but here's my ultimate problem with Cass, and it's ultimately it's a gut reaction to throw that back in her face. And as someone who is intelligent and has struggled with being able to interact with people because I come across very harsh sometimes, and I come across very, you know, worse than I intend to. I, I, I say things very plainly and curtly, and I don't mean to come across that way, and people think I'm being mean. Cass is, I'm going to say borderline to be nice. Borderline evil. (laughs) And what I mean by that is she's the kind of person who enjoys using her intelligence to get power over people. To her, it's not about winning the game. I mean, I think in in her mind she thinks she's winning the game, but ultimately what she's trying to do is she just wants to be powerful and she wants to be the center of attention. Ultimately, she just wants to prove her dominance over people. And because of that, she's not playing the game, like Spencer said, to win. She's playing a losing game. She's playing it to just get rid of people who she, she sees as threats. They're in, in the merge episode, there was no way Sarah was top of the alliance, like she said. That's just something she's told to, to rationalize to herself. The, Sarah was not top of the alliance. They were just placating her because they needed her number, so they were letting her choose. But she said, oh, we have to get rid of her because she's top of the alliance, and now I'm bottom. You were never bottom of the alliance, cats. Likewise, she got rid of Morgan this episode. Yes, Jeff, do you have something to say? Well, I was just going to say, if she's so such a, if she's attention-seeking, wouldn't she have wanted to get rid of Tony, who would have been the biggest distractor from her attention? No, this is what I was just going to say. Did you know that this was the first time in Survivor history, the merge, they voted off two women first? Yeah, I did hear that. And you know why that happened? Because Morgan was 100% correct about why Cass voted her out. Because Morgan got attention, and she's lived her whole life getting attention because she's attractive. And Cass does not like that she's never been treated that way. So she reacts in that way. So she got rid of Sarah because Sarah became the woman who was the center of attention. And she got rid of of Morgan because Morgan became the woman who was the center of attention and everyone liked because of her looks. It's got nothing to do with strategy, and it's not any rational basis. I agree with you. A rational basis, Tony would be the one she got rid of. But it's a good thing you bring that up. Because you're exactly right. And narratively, didn't they set that up when she said, everyone likes Tony, I can't really be around him? Mm-hmm. He can convince a jury. Kind of setting up her doing the same thing to Tony, right? Yeah. I mean, the parallel to me here, to ground this back in narrative, rather than just ranting on cast, because I could do that all day. Like, literally, I think it is the most messed up thing in the entire world to use your intelligence 
to lord it over people and just manipulate them and treat them like crap. To sit there and say, oh, well, I knew they were going to come back to me. It was just you know, human nature to want to forgive. When Spencer's just playing her the same way she's playing him, it's just... Look, that's When she said that, I was like, okay, Cal, he's not forgiving you. He just <laughs> had, like, what's his option at this point? Right, like, but that's why she thinks she's so much smarter than everyone else. Because she says, I can get away with this because he has no other option. I'm still his option. Do you see the power game she's playing, even with herself? She's tricking herself. I just... It's, it's a level of... It, it makes my stomach turn because it's such bad strategy, and just to watch someone act like that, it's literally painful for me to watch. But you have to admit, it is compelling television. Oh, it casting coup. Casting coup. Great cast, casting for them. People love watching that. I'm in the minority here. But like I was saying, narratively, doesn't it make sense that she would flip on Tony again because he's going to be the center of attention and he's going to win a jury vote? Yeah. And it's they set that up. And that's where I disagree with you. I don't think Tony can win a jury vote. I think I don't he, know if he can or not. Let's say the final three is Jeffra, Tony, and Cass. Sure, and that would be probably one of the only situations. Maybe Tosh, throw Tasha in there or something, or Jeremiah. But if if the narrative goes as it should, which is Cass in the final three with like. Tony and Trish, Tony and Wu, Tony and LJ, I would imagine that Tony wouldn't win that scenario. No, I don't think Tony would beat LJ or Wu, but I think it's I, significant that they showed Cass saying that because it can only result in two things, right? That comment can either result in Cass turning on him or Tony winning a jury vote. Those, right. those are the only two reasons to put those in there. Correct. And, and that's why I think, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, I disagreed with your three winners. I agree Spencer's obviously in the running, and he's like the big character that I think everyone wants to root for at this point since he is the underdog, even though he's kind of cocky. He's nowhere near cocky as cocky as Cass is. My second winner is Wu because, first I picked him at the beginning, so I want to keep him in there. But also, I mean, he, he's slowly growing, and if you watch his progression throughout the game, he's adapting much better than I think anyone else is. And my third is actually Trish, and the only way I think Trish can win is if she's articulate enough in front of a jury to tell them why she should win. Because at this point, if I were to make a jury vote based on the nine people left, I would vote for Trish as much as I dislike her. Because she's the reason Cliff's gone. She's the reason uh, Lindsay's gone. She's the reason Sarah's gone. And then by default, because she was the one to bring Cass over, she could also be considered to, to be the reason that Morgan's gone. I mean, I don't disagree with you strategically. I think Wu's a good player. I think he's proven to be a good player since he was aligned with Cliff. But then when the other four said they wanted the or the other three said they wanted to turn on him, he was just like, "I'm keeping my options open and being in the majority." I mean, Wu's a good player. I think Trish is a very underrated player. She's getting very underedited because right. she's not part of the main edit, uh, the main story. But and that's why I think Trish could win strategically. I don't know that the narrative is pointing towards that. There's no, I mean, Wu has more of a story than Trish, but I don't think the narrative is pointing to either of them. Especially this past episode, like, Wu came across really bad if he's going to be a winner. I mean, what? The, the ninja thing, it does parallel Tyson, but the whole, like, Wu st stole, basically, and then they made a point of, like, having people talk about how messed up it was that Wu stole. Like, they could have cut some of that down and edited it out. I disagree. I thought that made him look really, really good. 
I oh, think... so it's cool to just steal from people? He didn't steal from him. Tony was like, hey, can you grab my pants or something like that? Like, Or Spencer said that. Oh, Spencer... no, he said, here, I'll grab your pants for you. Right, first off, oh, he grabbed his pants fair. without asking for permission to grab his pants. That's the first but thing. I mean, I think it just makes... I I don't think it makes Wu look bad at all. I, I disagree with that one. I think what makes Wu look bad is the fact that he, even after that, he still didn't even find the idol, and it was Spencer who found it again. Well, and that was the, the other thing the edit did, too. Not only did it make Wu look stupid, but Wu was like, hey, Cass, can you watch him? And then Cass, in all her self-glory <laughs> and pompousness, get completely played by, by Spencer. He was right in front of her, and he took the idol. Put, I mean, how stupid can you be? <laughs> you have one job. <laughs> but no, the thing that made Wu look bad to me was, one, he wasn't like, oh, here's the clue, and then he read it and put it down. He just took off with it. <laughs> like, who does, like, I can understand reading it. Like, if that had happened to me by accident, I picked up someone's pants and the clue was there, I would have read it, but I wouldn't have taken it. And then, and then after that, he, after he runs away with it, like, somehow he has a right to just take something that was in somebody else's pants... After that, they show the camp standing around talking about how messed up it was that Wu did that. So the edit then after that made a point of piling on top of Wu when they could have cut a lot of that out. That's fair. I was gonna. I was just about to make the argument like you can't narratively take away the fact that Wu stole the clue. Like that happened on the island. You can't not right. show that. But right. the like people saying it's messed up that Wu did that. Well, yeah, they could have taken that out. I think they still had to have some commentary on it, regardless of whether or not it's in the end a big deal, seen as a good move or not. Like, well, I think that's it's the other thing too about Wu's winter chances, right? You have to look at it and say, what about him has been included in this season that they didn't have to? Because that's what they do with winners, right? They include extra stuff, right? Or like in the case of. Uh, Morgan, this episode, they included a couple extra things. Like, when she went on that speech in Tribal Council, it was like, okay, you're done. Uh, oh, um, yeah, the second she started that, I was... I mean, there's no way to not know. I know, I was like, god damn it, Cass, because I was hoping she was going to flip, but then when that happened, it was just like, whatever. But yeah, with Wu, I mean, I guess you could argue the ninja stealth skills thing didn't have to be included, so maybe that would be. But that's the one thing this season so far, right? What else has been extra for him? I mean, the Wu-Tang Clan stuff at the beginning. I, I mean, I don't even remember that. I mean, so I... He, I, I just think he, it, in terms of character, the person I think who has the best chance of winning, like, if you're making someone a character rather than a person, Wu's clearly... I think even over Tony is winning that one, just because he has the character of, like, the ninja stealth move person. I mean, there's definitely that if they're going the Tyson route where they're trying to make him a coconut bandit. So there are other parallels there. And there are parallels with all of these people, right? I mean, if you want to look at parallels like that, you're exactly right. Wu's edit parallels Tyson in that way. So there is an argument Except to be made there. Except that Tyson found the idol. Tyson found the idol. And the other thing Tyson had that we underplayed was everyone else was brought down by the people they were with on the tribe, their love member, and Tyson was motivated by it. So that was what made him stand out in the edit. It wasn't just the Coconut Bandits thing. It was the whole idea that he was motivated by Rachel being voted out, where everyone else, especially you know, where the way they bookended, bookended the uh, Monica story, everyone else was brought down by their loved one. 
Right. I but mean, you have to was, remember, David, if we're making an argument about narratives, we can't say, oh, well, the only difference is Tyson did find the idol, because that's not something that's influenced by the editing, and that's not something that can give us a clue as to who wins. I'm not saying it is. I was just saying I don't think Wu came across brilliantly this episode. Oh, no, see, I, I, don't I, thought it, well, I thought it was easily his best episode so far. Well, yeah, his best episode so far, but I mean... <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's like saying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s best episode was this last week. Yeah, it was a great episode for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but everything else before that hasn't been good this season, so... <laughs> that was a really nerdy metaphor for everyone out there. Sorry, I stopped watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like after episode 5, because I was just... I couldn't get into it. A uh, small di- uh, digression. It's worth watching again, because it was clear they were waiting for the Captain America movie to come out to go into their real story. The episode that just aired was far and above all the other ones. Interesting. But anyway, right. anyways, <laughs> go back to Survivor. David, sounds like you have a question. Yeah, I. What was your thought on uh, a Sarah? How she was edited, and then even looking uh, strategically at what did she do wrong, or is it just Cass is crazy and she couldn't have predicted that? Well, I mean, it's a little of both, right? Any situation you're in, and this is something that pisses me off about survivor analysis in general like the repeating of the zombie comment again like somehow Rob had zombies in his season um, is people drop context so much so whenever you're talking about strategy you always have to have context so a bit of what screwed Sarah over was Cass right I mean mm-hmm. she couldn't have known she was going to be like that she happened to end up on Cass's season she might have been okay on another season although we saw someone being a fence sitter all the way back in Vanuatu when Daldi left early because of it. So there is a history of that type of thing happening before. But narratively, it was actually very interesting because I could have seen her sitting in the Final Four as like a Sabrina-type edit before she just blew up in that episode. But it turned into, when we're talking about parallels, I thought her edit was very parallel to Corinne's in Caramoan. Uh, where they, they built her up as a character, and all of it was just to build up this exit at the merge that she brings on herself. And it was just one of those, the edit was kind of almost like waving it at our face, kind of making fun of her type deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, once, she I, had her, once she had her confessional, she had two really, really cocky ones, which were, um, I get to determine the fate of this game, and there was another one that was just really bad. And the second of those two, I don't remember which order they were in, I was convinced that there was no way she wasn't going home that episode. Well, right, and once again, this is the irony of Cass, right? So she votes... Supposedly, the reason she votes Sarah out is because she thought she was controlling the fate of the game. Well, what's Cass trying to do now? Cass wants to say she controlled the fate of the game, and she's shooting herself in the foot. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, right, but I, mean, I can understand the argument from Cass's perspective. Like, you don't want anyone else controlling the fate of the game. You want it to be. Okay. This is one of my rules of Survivor. There is no controlling the game. The, the minute people realize that, the minute it gets easier to play. Right, but if there's a perception that you can control the game, don't you want to be that person? No. In, if you're Cass... You don't if think you're Cass, Cass because you know, of her, psyched up, her fucked up psychology, yes, if you're Cass. Right. In reality, yeah. no, because the, the second people think you're controlling it, the closer you are to being voted out. I agree completely. Yeah. 
No, you want people to see that you played the game and that you made moves in the game, but you, I don't think you need to control fate in your hands and have the, the fate of the game in your hands. No, because who wants to vote for somebody who gets who sits there and goes, oh yeah, I controlled your fate. I have control over you <laughs> as another human being. Nobody likes that. <laughs> yeah. So do you see Cass making it to the finals? I mean, here's the thing, right? This is what I was... I said it in the beginning, right? And I've seen it foreshadowed again and again. I thought for the longest time the final three was going to be Cass, Tosh, and Spencer. And I can still see that happening. I mean, when I think of Cass and Spencer right now, I see a parallel to two people. I think Cass is kind of bizarro Denise, and I see a Denise and um, Malcolm parallel there. And I also see a parallel with... Cochran and uh, Don in Caramoan. It's funny you say that. If you watch kind of some of the faraway shots of Tribal Council, Spencer is exactly like Malcolm in the way that he sits and the way that he reacts to Tribal Council. And I know that that's not something that they can really control. It's you know that may not be what they're trying Why to do. Why are you studying Malcolm that much, Jeff? <laughs> no, I mean I just noticed it. I mean the way Spencer <laughs> sits. And then the way that he reacts is almost exactly how Malcolm reacted during all the crazy things that happened in Philippines. Like, I don't even remember how Malcolm sat. <laughs> well, I just I remember everyone else, everyone else always sat, like, with their, you know, knees together and their feet straight forward. And Malcolm always sat, like, you know, with his arm on his leg like this. And he always reacted like this. Were you just impersonating Malcolm or Mick Foley? <laughs> um, no, I think that's very fair, and I think uh, that goes back to what people don't realize is the story and the editing actually begins with casting. They're casting people who are similar, and they're putting people in these roles intentionally, which affects how they ultimately edit the season. Yeah. No, I'm sure that, I mean, Spencer is a, you know, he's a big guy, he's good in challenges, he's smart. Those are all things that, if I didn't say Spencer, those could have applied to Malcolm as well, and also a big fan of the show. So they're definitely similar characters that they were doing intentionally doing that with. Yeah, I agree. What? Uh, tell us more of what you think uh, about Tony and how he's getting edited and portrayed. Tony's such a tough one. Like, he seems like he's Russell Hance, mm -hmm. and the, but he has more of this benevolence and giddiness to him that makes you be like well, maybe they finally got Russell Hance winning like they wanted, so maybe they're editing him in this way. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. like, I mean, we, I touched on it earlier with Cass's comment about, you know, Tony could win a jury vote because he's charming. Either To me, either that means he wins or Cass flips on him. So, I mean, I could see it happening, especially if his alliance remains in control, which I don't... To me, I'm, I'm, I'm having sort of a lot of cognitive dissonance because I really don't see the, with the storylines that it's, it ends up staying this way with Tony's alliance being in control. I mean, earlier today I was thinking, well, maybe LJ and Jeff flip to go back with Jeremiah and Cass and Tosh and uh, Spencer, but maybe I'm just rationalizing that to try and fit what's going on in my head. But, I mean, if they go to the end, it sort of seems like Tony could get there. Yeah. I don't honestly know why... You mentioned LJ and Jeffrey. I don't know why Spencer, Jeremiah, and Morgan didn't spend the entire Outback Steakhouse thing uh, going after LJ and Jeffra 
to flip because that seemed to me to be the perfect opportunity for them and not like their teams were set up perfectly. Well, I don't think maybe they did. Maybe they did and they didn't show it. You're and right. instead of showing it, they gave us uh, you know, a bunch of plugs of how great Outback State House is. You know. That's cool. uh, here's the thing, strategically, this is where the editing comes in, right? And this is why I'm having dissonance about the story. Is there's an alliance of five, right? And the alliance of five, who does it hinge on? Trish. Alliance of six. Yeah. Kess is not in that alliance. Okay. I'm not counting. They said final five. That's the final five. So if that were the final five, they get to final five, and it hinges on Trish, right? Trish was on the Braun tribe with Tony and Wu. And she was the one who, like you said, got them all to flip on Cliff, right? Right. But why why are Trish and LJ close? Because of the Massachusetts connection, right? And then Jeffra is only going to vote with LJ. Right. So we don't know. Maybe LJ and Jeffra have a deal with Trish That's because possible. Trish seems to like LJ better on a personal level. And Trish, as she said earlier in the season, would be more likely to vote by who she likes than what would be best for her strategically. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I also want to comment quickly on what you said about Tony. You mentioned he kind of has like this giddiness about him. My theory on Tony is he actually is like Russell Hance with one huge exception, and that's that he understands it's a social game. By understanding it's a social game, he has that kind of overall giddiness, and that's all a front. And then when something happens, there's a couple times in the season where something has happened, and he's just, you know, it's a moment of, like, major excitement, and he breaks down that front and does something really, really assholey, like clapping when Sarah gets voted out or like screaming out top five. And that's like his Russell Hance showing, and then he goes back into his, you know, kind of the front that he's putting on. And so well, it just depends. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think we've uh, ever seen a confessional saying, you know, I have to watch out for that Russell Hance because he's charming and likable and could win right. a very vote. See, that's an important thing to note is I think the important difference is I would put Russell Hance more on the cast category. And now this goes back to editing, and I think what, what, what Jeff's pointing out is editing. The thing that Russell Hance was all about was chaos, right? Mm-hmm. So this is probably the biggest mark against Tony, right? And what Jeff's talking about is he enjoys the chaos too much. He enjoys the hey, let's see whatever happens thing. You know, with the whole Jeremiah thing, that was completely unnecessary, right? In a way, all that did was solidify the other people against him, which could ultimately be his undoing if they're there for Cass to flip back to. Right. So if you're you're looking at Cass as a villain, and usually what they do is they have a foil who's a villain to contrast the winner, right? So like Abby contrasted Denise, right? Where Denise was rational and she understood and she was able to communicate. Abby was just all over the place. And Abby in real life probably isn't a villain, but they edited her that way. So if Cass is seen as the villain, she's more like Tony than she is like Spencer. So that's a point in favor of Spencer than it is in favor of Tony. Gotcha. The other interesting one uh, you talked about was LJ, uh, you know, as another possibility to win. And I just thought this past two episodes he's been near invisible. That's the biggest knock uh, against him. Biggest knock against him. I agree. Two episodes ago, I was totally in that train, and he was my second or third to win as well. But edit-wise, once again, if that's the final five, 
So there's a couple episodes where Cass goes nuts and she's in control and Tony thinks he's in control. And if they want to set up, you know, the downfall and they want to set up, you know, Cass being nuts and Tony's downfall, maybe you just under-edit LJ for a couple of episodes and then you bring it back towards the end if he gets Trish to flip and everything. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I could see it happening again. But they didn't, like, last episode, I mean, the last two episodes, and I can, I guess I can look this up to really make 100% sure, they almost always, even when they are under-editing under a winner, they almost always still give him or her just one confessional, just as something you can put your finger on and, like, keep track of that person. And right. I know in the last episode, LJ didn't have one, and he only, I guess he did have one confessional in the episode before that. And so I think the lack of a confessional, and especially the way Modern Survivor's edited, does hurt him because they always want to make sure that we're kind of just at least keeping up with that person, even if he's not the center figure in that episode. Didn't he say something about Outback, though? I mean, that's something. I mean, they had a couple camera shots, too. I watched what the stuff Jeff's talking about, and he's right. I mean... It, it, there are huge marks against him, but the huge thing against Spencer in this episode, which I guess is mitigated by the fact that he found the idol and everything, but that's something actually I want to touch on in one second, is in every previously on this season, have you noticed they always brought it back to Spencer near the end of the previously on? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, very, I didn't realize it was every episode. Yeah, it's... If it's not every episode, it's, you know, 90% of them. I'm pretty sure it's every episode, though. But in this episode, all they did was bring him back telling Cass that she was playing a losing game. Now, I guess if you're trying to force it in there, you could argue that that's showing that he knows how to play and she doesn't, and if she's the villain, that's contrasting him with him. But that's expecting the audience to make a lot of leaps that I'm not sure are there. So I thought the previously on was very bad for him. That's fair. In the but same yeah, way that the last two episodes... 95% of them are bad, but... Or 95% of them are good, but 1% is bad. There's still... That's still a pretty good record for him compared to how who else has been mentioned in the previous... Uh, right, and I'm applying the same thing to, to LJ, where his, his pre-merge edit was so golden, and then the last two episodes haven't been good, but I could see them with the, how good it was pre-merge. If they ramp it up again, I could see it being an edit that is deserving of a winner. Yeah. And he could, I mean, he could also take the route that, like, Sherry and Kara Mullen took, where she was a front-runner after the pre-merge and then just fell and never saw her again. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about Spencer is, and this is something that's really bothering me, but Troyzan parallels? Hmm. I didn't notice them. Okay, well, do you remember post-merge, Troyzan had that big episode where he found the hidden immunity idol and he won immunity, and they were building him up to go on this huge immunity run and be the one who overthrows Kim, and then like yeah. two episodes later, he fizzled out? I mean, yeah. he was the underdog there, and now Spencer's the underdog, he found the hidden immunity idol, he won immunity, and they're building him up, and it seems like they've been building him up that whole time. I could see the same exact thing happening to him. That's mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. Someone who uh, we haven't talked about a lot uh, is Tasha. What do you think of Tasha and how she's been uh, edited and everything? Tasha's been edited? <laughs> I she mean, been for a while. <laughs> once again, she's been in some of those visual shots of the three brains, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they kind of always make sure we know she's there. So I could see her being the third at Final Tribal, but she doesn't get any votes, and the whole thing's about Spencer versus Cass. I could really see that. 
But the, the interesting thing to me was, well, part of Cass's insanity was when Tosh was, Tosh was trying to diffuse the situation between the two of them. And Tosh said nothing illogical and nothing irrational. She was just trying to placate... Uh, placate Sarah and make her not get upset at Cass and try to like talk Cass down like she was doing like the right move which was we have to make Sarah feel good and then Cass was like see even Tosh just revealed uh, I'm on the bottom and I was like right. why would she this took girl her side. yeah exactly and she didn't but she had to give the appearance she was taking her side like how someone who's supposed to be so aware would think that your ally from day one would just align with Sarah and that, that's what I'm telling you is there was more going on that she was threatened by Sarah on another level besides this whole game bullshit. There's, there's something like – something snapped in Cass's head or something. Or it's always been snapped when she says she uses ambush trial tactics. Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I think Cass is self-aware enough to know that no survivor strategist would ever recommend what she's doing. Or a lawyer. Or a lawyer. <laughs> but doesn't that take – I mean, there's an extra level here, right? So I can understand going, you know, you know, maybe Bill Belichick, you know, to go football match before we'll go, nobody else would recommend this, but I do this based upon the history of the game. Or I do this because I'm trying to win. But Cass just is like, she revels in the fact that nobody would do it. She's like a survivor hipster, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the strategy is not going to work. She knows it's not going to work. Actually, I don't even know if she knows it's not going to work. But she's so convinced herself that she's superior because she does the strategy that nobody says is right, and that's what makes it superior because nobody says it's right. I'm so much smarter than you. You don't say it's right. That's what makes it right. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a great analogy. Oh, and by the way, you, you know what you guys should change? This is what I was thinking. You know what you guys should change your little uh, things underneath your name to? Hashtag Casshole. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I don't know why they don't try and get that one trending on Twitter because it would. <laughs> there was uh, there was some pretty good uh, just hashtags this past episode. I was like, really? Any any somewhat obscure quote anyone says, we're just gonna turn into a hashtag now. Do it. That's okay with me. <laughs> That's one of the games David and I play. Is uh, before we talk to our guests, sometimes we make up our own hashtags for the episode. You you should go back. You should do a game one week where it's what would come up with hashtags for old Survivor seasons. Nice. <laughs> like what would they say during like when someone gave a confessional like uh, uh, wag the finger or something? You know what I mean? Mario Lanza came up with one. Uh, he has a picture of Morgan from the backside. Yeah, Morgan behind. Morgan behind. Yeah. There was the, yeah. From Survivor Pearl Islands. It's really, it's really a game from uh, the show At Midnight, hosted by Chris Hardwick on Comedy Central, where they do hashtag wars. So you could do yeah. a version of that with just, you know, I'll give you a season or a character, and you give me hashtags for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it seems almost irrelevant to talk about, but we'll talk about them. Uh, Jeffra and Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing I'll say about Jeffra is I have a funny story from this past episode. I watch with uh, Clayton uh, Spivey and Jess Frey now. Cool. So we're sitting there, and Clayton at Tribal Council goes, you know, Jeffra actually gives really good answers to Tribal Council. 
Jeff's Tribal Council questions. And I go, you realize she was a beauty queen, right? Like, that's all she did? <laughs> she gets good answers at Tribal Council, but they're so monotone. Like, when Jeff Foster whole... is cast at the bottom, she goes, well, Jeff, that's not really how we do it in this alliance. Right, that's part of the whole beauty queen thing, right? Because right. you want to be, as a beauty queen, you want to be as inoffensive as possible, and that's what she's doing. And right. Yeah, she is good at that. You just I mean, it very monotone, and it bothers me. Well, I, I just laughed at her whole illustration of a chain, because unless you have someone holding both sides of the chain, <laughs> there's going to be one person at the bottom of the chain. <laughs> no, it's a circular chain just sitting on the ground. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a circle. <laughs> a circle of trust. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, that's the ultimate thing about Survivor nobody ever really talks about, right? And it's, it's, it's the truth everyone avoids. And we were talking about it earlier with the whole debate about control, right? Ultimately, you either win the game on your own or you win it off of someone's back. And what I mean by that is, yes, you always have to work with other people to get to the end, but somebody's always coming up with the ideas and someone's always making the moves, right? And when Jeffrey says they're a chain, she's not the one making the moves, ultimately. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess we can't be certain, but... <laughs> no, and I mean Jeremiah. I, re I when they said we have our zombies. Here's the thing about this season. This is part of the reason Cass pisses me off so much. Like even like the edit seems to be like just on a meta level saying she's an idiot. Because when she said we have our zombies, I totally thought that was a reference back to you know everyone calling Redemption Island Rob zombies, and that they were saying that Morgan, Sarah, and Jeremiah were the brain zombies that they were gonna drag all the way to the end and dominate. Like, it was an open-shut case. And then she just, like, threw it away. Like, it seemed, like, so obvious what was going to happen, and it was, it was it seemed like any basic Survivor player would have been able to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, unfortunately, uh, picked Jeremiah as my preseason winner just because uh, I thought he would be more like JT. But, uh... <laughs> what do you mean? He's exactly like JT. <laughs> okay. He followed, yeah, yeah. he followed people who were better at strategy and people liked him because of his southern draw. I mean, what, what else did JT do? At least edit-wise, he is not getting the same treatment. I know, and I'm being a little unfair to JT. <laughs> he just needs to uh, lose a, a tooth in a challenge and then... <laughs> he needs to write Tony a note. <laughs> here, here, Tony, I found this idol. <laughs> <laughs> is there uh, anyone else we haven't talked about? I think that's... Did you have any more about Trish? I mean, I, I agree with everything Jeff said. I mean, I think she's playing a very good game. I think she's probably the Sherry character of the season. Um, I actually like Trish. Maybe it's just the Massachusetts thing, but I don't see anything wrong with her. I just think she's kind of like, this is who I am. I wear it on my sleeve. That's it, kind of deal. So, is she gonna win? No, she's never gonna win. She doesn't have a story. Is she playing a good game? Yeah, but her game will be lost in the in the history of Survivor. Yeah. Oh, and this reminds me. While we're thinking of parallels, I was thinking LJ is kind of Greg from Palau 2.0. Hmm. The dark horse. Right. 
Dark Horse, very good player, smart. You know, they, they kind of look the same, have the same build. Very even keeled. Both of them are so even keeled. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, whole giving each other the idols thing? Well, this is what I was trying to explain to... I forget who I was trying to explain it to, but... Tony made a good play because he was trying to protect his alliance. Yeah. But then... LJ was backed into a corner. If somebody gives you an alliance they were or gives you an idol they were hiding, and you're hiding an idol, you have to immediately give your idol back to them, especially if they're in danger. Because if it comes out later you were given an idol <laughs> and you had one that you were hiding and you kept it, that's gonna there's no way you can get around that. You're just gonna look like <laughs> such a dick that he had to play it at that point. There was no other choice. <laughs> I mean, he could always claim that he found it after Tony gave him the idol, but yeah, I don't think that would work out too well. Right. But even then, it's still... Well, he played his, his idol for you and you didn't even tell him you found an idol? Like, what the <laughs> heck? If, if you have to do it the very next day, you have to be walking in the woods and be like, Hey, Tony, look, I just found this. <laughs> right. They just laid it on the ground. I don't yeah. even understand. They didn't even try to hide it. Sort of like in uh, South Pacific where uh, Coach found the idol and then had him. We all found it as a group, guys. <laughs> and when you have to resort to a coach strategy, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Lou, look, Lou, look what I just found in Spencer's pants. <laughs> um, another uh, just funny tidbit... Uh, uh, Morgan was doing her exit interviews and she did one with Dalton Ross and uh, Dalton Ross had uh, uh, well now I just forgot the name Tyson and Rachel uh, they were in the studio so they were with him when he interviewed and they proposed uh, and they started a threesome to her they, well they <laughs> Dalton asked them if, uh, if she would align with them if they were on a season together and it was pretty clear that Morgan had absolutely no idea who these two were. <laughs> <laughs> and so much so that Dalton and Tyson and Rachel even comment about it after she goes off. And they're like, thank you. And Dalton goes, I'm pretty sure she had no idea who you guys were. <laughs> well, I mean... If we're talking Survivor history and we're talking winners in, in, in their legacies, are we really going to rank Tyson that high or that important? No, but... last season. And she had already filmed hers before his season aired. So you think, oh, I just came off Survivor. I should watch the one right before my season. Wait, 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 wait. That's incorrect. They filmed both of them in the summer. So there's no yeah. way she could have seen hers before his aired. I mean, no, she, she would have watched no, no, no. versus Water because the exit interview just happened today. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, she doesn't give it. <laughs> what does she care? <laughs> she said something. Else. Yeah, I I think I need to go back and watch previous seasons. <laughs> well, she's like while she was. <laughs> that Morgan's was how she interesting, right? Because there's this whole survivor click now, and it's like, where is Morgan going to end up in that? Because you remember, she was a cheerleader for the 49ers. So that's why she doesn't know any of this. You know, She's on the sidelines cheering for Colin Kaepernick. Who does she give a shit who Tyson Apostle is? You know? But now this is going to be her world if she wants it to be. So that's why she was probably like that, because she's, you know, she's still on the edge of that. Yeah. 
Am I in or am I out? Right. Yeah. How much money is this going? How much attention is this going to get me? <laughs> Any other thoughts you have, Justin, about uh, the past two episodes or this season as a whole? I just hope that. I know Cass is probably going to last until the end, and I hope it's cathartic that when she gets railed at the final tribal council that I just feel so good about it because <laughs> I stand out for most Survivor fans, and watching these last two episodes has been painful for me. Like, just watching someone behave the way she does and, like, watching that bad strategy. I know people think, like, you know, Yule was boring and, like, Earl was boring and... Redemption Island was boring, but to me, those, those are thrilling, right? Those are, like, my favorite seasons to watch so, people play on that level. And I just, you know, I want to see that. I don't want to see, like, cast is <laughs> a casting coup, but, you know, it's just, it's not good. It's not good gameplay. It's, it's malevolence on a level I just don't want in my life. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I... I thought uh, they had a really cool... I, I really liked their new endurance challenge that they had this past episode. I mm -hmm. thought I thought it was cool that they finally... Wow. I, I think it's been a while since they came up with a unique endurance challenge that they haven't done before. And this was one that, you know, wasn't the same one. Oh, hold your arm up. Yeah, go for it. I, that reminded me of something that's very possibly very important in Survivor history, which supports Spencer's edit. So, are you guys familiar with the fly? Yes. What What does the fly do in Survivor edits? The fly distracts you, and then you lose. Like you, you makes the bucket fall on you. Right. So it's a it's a it's a curse, right? Yeah. Right. So, did you notice what they did with the fly in this immunity challenge? It was all over. Was it? It wasn't all over Spencer. I didn't think. Yes, it was. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell who it was. It must have been. I thought it was someone else. Besides, uh, who was this? Besides uh, Tosh, they didn't show a touch Tosh, but they showed a touch LJ, Cass, and like a couple others. But they showed it on Spencer's foot too. Spencer is the first person in Survivor history to survive the fly. Hmm. Hmm. Which goes back to his. I'm going to play the one of the greatest games ever. He that first person ever to survive survive the fly. That could mean something. All I know is when I watched it and I saw like them do that, and then like they sh they showed him hold on once, and then when they had him and Tosh versus the end, I was like, you know, I really think they're gonna show Spencer overcoming the fly. That would work with his edit the whole season. But then again, no one has ever overcome the fly, and then he did, and I was just kind of like, wow, we may have just seen something edit wise, and I was probably the only person watching the show who thought that. <laughs> <laughs> Because that fly, people don't realize, that goes back to, like, All-Stars, right? I think that was when it made its first appearance, right? Did it even... Did it happen in Africa? Maybe Africa, yeah. I, I wasn't watching the edit as intensely back then, but possible. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, this goes back to the beginning of the show. Yeah. And they showed it. They showed all the people getting hit with the fly, and everyone who did fell one by one except, except Spencer, so... Yeah. Interesting. We'll see, uh... Yeah, I would be, I'd be okay with a, a Spencer win, especially at this point since he's still in the minority. I think it'd be cool to see him, you know, work his way and find a way to win. You mean just where the cast pendulum swings? Yeah. <laughs> I I could honestly see. I think Tony's getting a little antsy and maybe wants to take out Wu or LJ, so I could see something like. 
Wu and Cass flipping back over and getting Tony or LJ out. I could see that too, yeah. I mean, there are any number of permutations it could go, but I'm just going to feel like I'm rationalizing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but Jeff, did you have any other thoughts on the past two episodes? I've said my piece. Jeff looks bored now. He's like, I want to go watch <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I got to get Game of Thrones going, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's acceptable. All right. Well, uh... Thank you, uh, Justin, so much for coming back on again. Uh, it's always great to hear from you and your thoughts. Well, hopefully we'll have you on near the finale, get your thoughts on uh, how it all wraps up. Uh, anything you want to plug or promote before we say goodbye? Oh, yeah. Don't forget to check out my podcast. It's called Welcome to the Midside. It's now appearing on TalkBacker, which is at TalkBacker.com. It's a really cool movie and TV news site for, like, geeks and nerds. So if you want to go there, you know, get into a good discussion. And the thing that really sets TalkBacker apart for me is the benevolence. They've really worked hard. The guy who runs the site, Finn, has really worked hard to create a site where people want to have good discussion and good content, and they want to hear from people. And it's not just typical, like, you know, internet rage blasting, where it's like, no, you're dumb because you don't agree with me. You're dumb because you don't agree with me. All right. So, yeah, welcome to the Midside. It's on talkbacker.com now. It comes out Monday mornings, or you can subscribe on iTunes. Nice. Cool. Well, definitely uh, be sure to check it out. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on again, and hopefully, uh, yeah, if all goes well, we'll be seeing uh, uh, you after the finale, which is now back on a Wednesday, and uh, talk, to you, talk to you about everything that goes down there. Cool. Thanks so much. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.